Ugh, another pointless video call where nothing gets done. I think you're on mute, David. Uh, oh, sorry. What did I miss? IT just approved Miro for the whole company. Miro? That's the... Online whiteboard. For team collaboration. We can make these long video meetings so much shorter with Miro boards. We can share ideas, feedback, and updates on them whenever. Actually see what we're talking about. It's all online. Miro will make our flexible work setup so much easier. With one virtual space for our brainstorms, projects, presentations. Oh, that sounds kind of amazing. So I don't need to wake up for 6 a.m. calls with the London office anymore. Now you're getting it. Don't let time zones get in the way of your team working well together. See why 99% of the Fortune 100 trust Miro to get good work done from anywhere. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Getting the exposure to grow your small wedding business can be difficult. With millions of engaged couples using The Knot to plan their weddings and find vendors, advertising on our sites will connect you with more couples than anywhere else online. Meet engaged couples where they're already searching for vendors like you. And let us deliver leads to help you grow your business. Visit vendors.thenot.com slash podcast to sign up today. Mention code PODCAST15 during your free onboarding session for 15% off your first month. Welcome to Tiger's SRD with two hosts who always start on second. Chris Brown. Never-ending parade of mediocrity. And Roger Castillo. Roger, live in Detroit. All right, welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD here at Tiger Mind Reports at MotorCityBangles.com. I'm Rahelio Castillo. My name is Chris Brown and Uber back on from vacation. Yes. And you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Our Heart Media, and Stitcher. Plenty to discuss this evening as we will have a special guest coming in here shortly to talk about the draft a little bit, in particular, Jackson Job. And it is the Chris, the, I want to make sure to state her last name is Alexis. What's her, I want to uh, make sure her last yeah. name is correct. I don't know how she pronounces it. I guess we'll find out, but I believe it's Brudnicki. Brudnicki. Uh, Brudnicki. Um, yeah, she's, uh, she's a, Nikki. she writes yeah. for Baseball America or, or she has, uh, she's moving on in her career. We're going to talk about that too. Uh, and she's a Canadian. So she loves her, some Canadian baseball players. And she wrote a couple of really nice profiles for, for Tigers draft picks. You mentioned Jack and Joe was one of them. Jordan Marks was the other one. Well, I asked her about that, and we'll ask her about you know her future plans and, and uh, things like that. So I'm looking forward to it. I heard her on the Baseball America podcast uh, recently, and I thought she did a great job. And it's like, all right, I'm excited to have her on. She wrote one about Austin Schultz, too, the number 10 pick. Oh, did she? I yeah. missed that. Is he Canadian? Or he just happens to be uh, from the yeah, Northwest? Know. All right, well, we can ask her about that, too. Nice, nice work. Yeah, so definitely a, a plenty to get discussed too. And she, yeah, she, I heard a little bit of the Baseball America podcast. And I was kind of catching up, and she was she was great, and she really really knows herself. So looking forward to that part of the conversation. We got questions this evening. We got plenty to discuss. But before we get into the our usual segments, what have you, we're gonna kind of recap what happened before the All Star break ended because we haven't. Truth be told, first and foremost, I want to thank everybody who checked out the MLB live draft show on Sunday. Well, it was one of our better despite the echo, which I'm, again, people, people were very, very patient with. Thank you. Um, it was one of our best viewed live events, one of our best ever shows. And so thanks to special shout out to Trevor Huth, 
for coming on. Special shout out to Scott Bentley from Locked on Tigers and the guys over at the Indian Baseball Prospects site, uh, Justin and Walt. And they were they were fantastic too. They were just it was we had a lot of Indian people checking it out, so that was cool. And the cross pollination and never doing a podcast. I mean, we've done one with Trevor before and Scott, but never having that kind of mountain. Um, yeah, and you know my my stomach, my lower area hurt quite a bit afterwards. Oh, from jumping in the pool. From jumping in the pool. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the guys were oh, yeah, the guys from Woodward Sports didn't think I got enough air, quote unquote. So um, oh, on the dive in. So yeah, at first I was like, yeah, you uh, unfortunately you weren't on the air as much as us, but then I realized like, oh no, you're talking about air off the diving board. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, but well, like I said, there's plenty to say about the draft and. We'll, we'll give her all, all thoughts about that a little bit, but Tigers got swept by the Minnesota Twins, and it, it almost predicted this, Chris, in the sense that, and you per, we've seen this before too, where the Tigers will come in hot or playing well, and they go to Minnesota. I mean, this is, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like 87 because the Metrodome or anything like that, but every time they go on the road, when the Twins, the Twins are better than their 39-50 record indicates. They have a very good offense. They're just not getting really good bullpen work right now, but I'll start with you, Chris. I mean, did, did, every time the Tigers had an answer, Minnesota's like, nah, you know what? We got an answer too. Hold our, hold our beer. Yeah, you know, it was a really frustrating series because we we talked on a number of times how basically the Tigers had, had gone about two months of playing solid 500 baseball. And they were doing it kind of every which way, getting bullpen, uh, bullpen contributions, some offense, some good starting pitching. And it really felt like that all fell apart. Their defense didn't play well the bullpen really kind of let them down I think they blew four or, or two different four nothing leads in that series and I don't know how many times they you know they had that awesome Jake Rogers go ahead grand slam in the ninth inning wasn't it yep and, and then just two batters later Derek Holland had given up a home run and it was like oh man you know I mean the Derek Holland story was pretty cool you know he's got the wrestling belts and stuff like that he had a great spring training but he hasn't been good for the Tigers this year and he was injured and, and I don't know I mean, we'll see what happens. They, they, I feel like they can't really get rid of too many arms just because they need innings. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was that was kind of a reminder. I think you said it best, Roger. It's a reminder that uh, I don't remember when you said it, but it was a reminder that their depth just isn't where it needs to be, especially in the bullpen. And you, but you were watching from up north or listening. Yeah. I'm not sure where you were doing exactly, but <laughs> a little bit of both last week. We were up in Michigan, and it was kind of fun talking to some people that I know about the Tigers. Um, you can sense there's a little more optimism when I got back to Michigan and, and talked to some Tiger fans I know. So that was kind of fun to hear. But, yeah, the, the games themselves, you know, you could see the Tigers were competitive. They could, they could get a lead. Um, but I think what we saw is really going to be what we're going to see more of as, as, the, as the long season plays itself out. Um, they just don't have the arms to get through nine-inning games and hold a lot of leads. Um, uh, and especially if they're going to be, you know, short of starting pitching, like both Boyd and, um, um, and uh, Mice. Turnbull, you know, and Turnbull being out. Yeah. Uh, and if Mize is going to get these short starts, and you got to kind of believe uh, Scooble's going to get the same treatment as well, uh, what they're going to do to finish off wins, I, I don't know. Especially, it probably will be in their best interest to trade uh, Cisnero <laughs> or, or maybe even Soto or maybe even uh, Daniel Norris, if there's anybody who wants him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, then, that, that, there's plenty to address with that. 
yeah. And so how they're going to get through the season and finish these games when they just don't have anybody who's too attractive in triple a right now and double a, uh, that's really, you know, knocking on the door. So, uh, you know, it was still some fun games. They were competitive. You know, they gave the twins all they had, but just wasn't enough. And the, the bullpen let them down. Yeah. I'm sorry. No offense to Drew Hutchinson fans out there, but he's definitely not the answer. So, uh, we'll have to circle back to that in a second, but, um, in just a minute or so, we're going to in about 30 seconds. We're going to have, we introduce our guest and uh, she'll be popping on here shortly. But uh, no, the, the one thing about the series that I got mad about was I wrote this great piece about Joe Jimenez finding his fastball, all this, and then he <laughs> blows it. And again, I don't think it's his fault. The Tigers were using him in low leverage situations. So obviously he's starting to get tested. He started doing well in high. He struck out the side against the White Sox the week before. So I felt good. I'm like, you know, I mean, that's just turning the corner and then he went out there and, but the lack of innings, but then it's also, you look at it this way. I mean, you see the progression. One thing about the series that you saw two things. One, Akil Badu batting leadoff is still working really well. Yep. And Kyle Funkhauser is still bringing on the funk. I mean, I know I'm sure that that cliche is going to get beaten to death over <laughs> and over and over again. But uh, no, honestly, it was that, those were some of the highlights of the series. I mean, even that five, three loss on Thursday where, Scooble pitched well. He pitched yeah. well enough, but I think they left them in there. But again, fans were asking, well, how come they left them in there? Did really AJ Hinch have any other choice? Not really. Inc- they were competitive all weekend. I mean, that's, you know, they the, have the efforts there. You can see the, the start of a few things that they can do well. But, you know, they're just overall, they have the fifth worst run differential in the league for a reason. That's kind of who they are. Yeah. They're not. Two months of 500 baseball doesn't make them a good team. They're not a good team. Yeah, well, so, so the fans might think otherwise. <laughs> Hooper. Um, but, Chris, before we uh, get on to our guest, before we bring on our guest, I'm sorry, what are you going to say, Chris? Uh, oh, nothing really. I mean, yeah, it's just uh, – it's just uh, it was unfortunate to see, and I think Hooper's right. It, it is – it's – despite them playing better, they're not a good team. They're just not – the worst team in baseball like they looked for the first time and that's basically what, what hey that feels like a giant upgrade and it <laughs> kind of is but it's still not where they need to be yeah and like i said it's it's baby steps and, and some of the fans like i said they're talking about wild card and i was like yeah you know let's let's pump the brakes a little bit ladies and gentlemen it's not i you know we try to be a podcast of realistic expectations and i just don't believe in fantasy i mean I, if you want to you know believe that that's that's fine but i I'm sorry. If that makes me a cynical, you know, a-hole, so be it. So, <laughs> jerk. But, uh, yeah, jerk. Anyway. Um, it's time for Rogelio and Chris to go inside the numbers. All right. So thanks to, uh, by the way, we kind of separated the two shows. It's, it's technically two podcasts this evening, but it's just going to be a quick inside the numbers, good, bad, and ugly. Uh, Uper, what is your inside the number? Uh, inside the number tonight is 18 and followed up by 12. The Coming out of the break for the Tigers, assuming there's no COVID shutdowns and all that stuff, the next 18 games are all against sub-500 teams. Coming out of the break, you can't ask for a better schedule coming out of the break than what the Tigers have. 12 of those games are at home. Um, so for that segment of fans who likes to dream about wild cards, if they're going to do it, they're going to know at the end of these 18 games uh, if they have any kind of opportunity to move ahead. Uh, I put the over under 
on wins at nine and a half. And uh, I got 50% on each side today uh, online. So uh, we'll see what the next 18 games go. I think, you know, with a week off now for their bullpen, hopefully they can come out here uh, for the next couple of series anyway and maybe get back to some winning ways. Uh, but, again, over the long run, kind of worried what's going to happen with the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, well, so I, I, I was going to put together – I think my whole – my whole inside the numbers, good, bad, and ugly is going to be draft related just because that was kind of my life there for the last week. We And in you too, Roger, I mean, you wrote so many articles about the draft, so did I. Uh, and, and people might already know this one, but my inside the number is 20. Uh, and of course, 20 was the number of rounds in there, but it was also uh, the number of picks the Los Angeles ma- Angels made, and every single one of them was a pitcher, yeah. uh, which uh, nobody's ever really seen anything like that before. They just went 20 for 20 on pitching. Uh, and, and a number of them were pitchers I, I liked, at least the, the later ones. They took Andrew Peters from South Carolina in the 10th round, and he's a guy I very nearly took uh, in the fifth round of our mock, our second mm-hmm. mock at, at MCB. But I, I changed my mind at the last minute because he wasn't even on like the MLB pipeline top 250, and I was like, ah, he's probably not going to go early. But he's a guy I actually thought could start uh, in, in pro baseball. Uh, and they also took uh, Mo Hanley from Adrian, who we've talked about before as a lefty uh, with with – Good velocity, he could spin the ball, but he blew out his arm this year, fortunately. And then they took Mason Erla from MSU, who was kind of a pop-up last year. And I was surprised he didn't go pro. And uh, I think they took him in like the 14th round. So, yeah, there's some interesting players there. But what's also interesting, it wasn't the most – I mean, it was the most lopsided draft. There were plenty of lopsided drafts this year. Cleveland went 19 for 21 on pitching. Yep. And the Dodgers went 18 for 20. Uh, the Orioles started their draft, uh, I think uh, – it took college outfielders with four of their first five picks. So it, it's, and maybe it was something we should, should have seen coming after the, the shortened draft last year, but there was just this incredible level of secondary and cheery talent in the year's draft. It's all those guys who would have been drafted in the fifth round last year, plus all the guys on, based on the talent this year. Uh, and so I think the teams that needed, that had glaring needs, like the Orioles and the Angels, just saw it as an example to get just load up on, on their weaknesses. Whereas teams like LA and Cleveland, who are, you know, kind of renowned for their development of pitchers, were like, hey, we can really get a, a boatload of these guys that we can coach up and get better and have great assets. So I don't know, it was just an interesting approach to the draft for a lot of teams. And, and you know, this year started, what, uh, eight or nine pitchers out of their first four of them picked. So maybe they can be a too. We'll see. Well, my inside number is 11, and that's the number of home runs that Jock Peterson has hit, and they're all against right-handers, and now he's a cu- and now he's now a Brave, as the Braves made a trade this uh, this afternoon, as they tra- and the other number would be number 12, and the number 12 represents the prospect who they traded for, uh, Bryce Ball, who is off to a really kind of, I mean, he, had a, he was off to a good start last year, between rookie and high A, but he's only hitting 207 right now for high A Rome. He's got a power power profile, but he hasn't really lived up to it so far this year. So for Jock Peterson, it fills the void for Ronald Acuna Jr., who suffered a season-ending ACL tear injury, so he's out. And this will help out. And, you know, there's rumors now with Chris Bryant heading out, too. The Cubs are just going to do a whole fire sale thing coming up. So within the next two weeks, I guarantee you the Cubs will be – probably featured heavily on the good, bad, and ugly, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what's interesting about the to me, too, is 
I had kind of assumed that maybe the Braves were just going to kind of tuck tail and, and call it a season, not necessarily because of Acuna, but they've been, you know, they've been struggling to maintain it around 500 all year. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, this indicates to me that they're actually still going to probably try to make the playoffs, which makes them an intriguing trade destination for a couple of Tigers players that we could talk about in the future, maybe Matthew Boyd or Michael Homer, or even Robbie Grossman. I don't know, but uh, yeah, so we'll see. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that in future shows. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's just going to get, I think the trade deadline might happen a little earlier. There's a lot of teams right now that are in that weird, whether they're contention or not. And so, I mean, there's some people thought the Tigers were out of the wild, uh, the wild card, not going to happen. So just, uh, just want to, again, keep it real and, and do what we have to do. But, uh, and then the reason why I went through the good and bad of it really quick is because I do want to hit the draft pretty hard. We did talk a little bit about it, but we didn't really go into the, the all the picks a little bit, but I wanted to kind of, I don't want to do a grade a little bit because I think grading mm-hmm. is kind of lame, but I do want to talk a little bit about some of the reactions of the pick a little bit, and we'll get to that in a second. But the good. Oh, that's good. The bad. Oh, that's bad. And the ugly. I'm proud. All right, Chris, I'll let you lead <laughs> off the good and the, bad, the ugly this week. Well, so yeah, it, it is all draft focused. Um, and my good was Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, they had the first overall pick, so it's not, it's kind of hard to, to, to screw that up. Uh, but I, I thought they did what you do uh, when you're going to try to save money. And we've talked before about like the track record of teams who've tried to cut a deal at up top isn't spectacular. The Astros did it well. And then uh, the Royals did it pretty well years ago with Hunter Dozier and then Sean Manaya. Mm-hmm. But in a draft like this, I think it was the smart thing to do for Pittsburgh. And, and I think they really executed it well. So they went and, you know, they, they took, they probably got two million plus uh, by taking Henry Davis first. And I imagine he's going to go about also like six million or so. Uh, and he's still one of the top five or six players in the draft, and, and generally considered the top college position player in the draft. And, and it's the sort of kid. I mean, it's not a perfect profile, but he's the guy that that could be your franchise catcher going forward, and you're saving money on him. And they used that. Their second pick was Anthony Solomedo who was a, you know, kind of a top 20 talent, the, the number one left-handed starting pitcher in, in high school. He's kind of, you know, he gets comparisons to uh, Madison Bumgarner because he's got kind of funky mechanics, but he's a good with good stuff and, and really in for how he throws. And so that was a great pick. And then they came back with Lonnie White Jr., who was one of the more athletic players in the draft, a, a football recruit at Penn State and baseball recruit. And uh, you know, he's not like a top 30 talent, at least not in rankings wise. Uh, and when I've watched him, he's kind of built a little bit like Vernon Wells style outfielder. He's really kind of thick, but still fast. Uh, it's, you know, that's a high upside high outfielder. And then they came back after that with Bubba Chandler, who was one of the absolute best athletes in the class. You know, he was a quarterback and receiver, I think, uh, who, who was committed to Clemson and also a pitcher and a shortstop. Yeah, two-way guy. And, yeah, I just and absolutely, and, I, and they drafted him as a pitcher because I think he was up to ninety-seven recently. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it basically, they ended up they, they saved some money up top and ended up with three top thirty players and another player in like the top fifty or seventy-five. And I think that's, you know, it's, I, obviously it's not all going to work out, but that's I think that's how you do it in in this format. You, you really spread out the risk, you spread out the talent, and you got a chance to get some impact players. I thought they did a great job. I was listening to the Pipeline podcast today, and they were actually mm-hmm. thinking that um, they might have saved up to $3 million on Davis. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, because I guess the first overall pick's, what, like eight and a half? 
Yeah. So yeah, it could have been could have been five and a half. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, based on the guys they took, yeah, in the numbers that they were. They had to have some cash left over, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, and even you know they took uh, they did the thing that you see teams used to do in, in like the thirty fifth and the fortieth round, where they took a couple other high schoolers just in case you know something goes wrong. Maybe we could sign this guy, Braylon yeah. Bishop, and stuff. Uh, but uh, and this is kind of odd. Uh, my dad is Kansas City, uh, and I actually kind of appreciate the guts they took to make this draft. But uh, you know, you want to talk about risk? <laughs> they their first overall pick. They went seven. They went Frank Mazzucato who was the biggest shock of the first round. He was a guy that had, was moving up. But prior to that, I, I hadn't heard anybody really even mention him in like top 20. I did, I guess, Kylie McDaniel on the, the Fangrass podcast did say he had heard a rumor about him at nine. Uh, so that was the first time I'd heard that, but that was, at, I listened to that after the actual draft. Um, and he's ranked, in, you know, on, on the sites in like the 40s. And it's a high school pitcher, so it's that risk. And then they come back with their second pick, another high school pitcher. Uh, with Ben, ben Kaderna, who I really like, I, I kind of wanted the Tigers to take him. Like I, my ideal draft was them taking like lighter a shortstop and Ben Kaderna. Um, but uh, so yeah, I go back to back high school pitchers. And the last time they did that, he was an, an absolute disaster for them. It was Ash Russell and I forgetting the other kid's name, but neither of them even made it to Double A, I think. Um, and so they follow up that pick with Peyton Wilson, who's who's kind of a, a fun guy, like a nifty bat from Alabama, who. Just played second base, could play some catchers, some outfield, all that good stuff. But basically, it's he's probably a utility guy. And then after that, they go prep catcher, the riskiest demo of all, and then another prep pitcher. So like the first five pitcher crazy. And then they took Eric Sarantola, who we talked to Alexis about, yeah. uh, who's got a, an amazing arm. And and I you know I love this stuff, but it kind of reminds me of Alec Hansen from five, six, eight years ago, a guy with amazing stuff who can't throw strikes. It's like you know, there's a high ceiling there, but the floor is is absolute. You know, just washes out completely. So it was just such a. I mean, there's a ton of reward in this this draft, but it's also just hugely risky. It's it's one of the riskier drafts I can remember. So I just I'm calling it bad, but mostly it's just kind of I, I wanted to talk about it. Well, you know what's so interesting to me there is same front office guys, and you look at that 2018 draft where they went yeah, all college, 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 yeah, yeah, you know. And now they come back. This, you know, same guys come back with this kind of draft later on. That's that's kind of eye opening. They're open yeah. to different ideas, anyway. Yeah, and it's it, uh, you know maybe it is just one of those things where they take the best player on the board. But yeah, it was really really impressive. And and my ugly, and I think Raj, you you briefly touched on this, but basically, Tigers fans' reactions to the Joe pick. Some Tigers fans, I think, uh, and I get it. You know, everybody wanted the shortstop who was there, Marcelo Mayer. And they passed on him for a prep pitcher who might not have gone in the top 10 otherwise. I, I think he probably would have gone eight or nine, but you don't know. And, and it wasn't popular, and I'm not crazy about it. I really like Jackson Job as a player, but just, you know, the profile, it, it, it's always scary. But the, the reaction is just too much, man. There was there was some dude I was uh, interacting with on Twitter, and he was just going on and on about it. And, and I was just kind of, you know, I know trying, to be, trying to be realistic about it. And then he said... He hopes that Job fails, so it will teach Avila a lesson, or Avila <laughs> will get fired or whatever. And it's like, what are we even doing here? Like, what, what are you? Why are you even rooting for this team if you hope that their top overall pick, the, the third guy in the draft, fails, so that the GM, like, that's just absurd. Like, I understand you don't like the GM, then you know, don't watch the team. But you're you're hoping an 18 year old, 19 year old kid is going to fail. It's just it's crazy to me, and I don't understand that level of thinking. And 
you know, people want to talk about the timeline, like, oh, the Tigers, you know, they're getting ready to compete. They got to take a, a college bat or or the positions, you know, that, oh, they don't have a shortstop. They got to take a shortstop. And I just I think you can think that way in the draft, at least at the, at the first round. Uh, maybe if you're a team that's super close to competing or, or you know, World Series and, and you feel like, hey, we can get that pitcher who will help us in the bullpen now and can start later, the Andrew Miller, the, you know, the Chris Sale, the Pierre Crochet type thing. But beyond that, I just, I don't think you can think about your farm system really or your major league at all. You just, you have to take the player that you think is going to be the best. Yeah. And uh, I just, it's, it's something that I don't think fans will ever quite grasp uh, when it comes to the major league draft, the baseball draft, rather, you know, they're just too used to the NFL and NBA drafts, I think. No, and let me let me just say this, and I know who you're referring to. That guy is a jackass, period. The yeah. guy's a jackass. And, and no, and listen, listen here. Like, it's just simply put, you're a, you, you are a negative asshole, and you never, you've never seen these guys play. You have no idea who they are. And even it, it was, it was Carlos from Baseball America was like, Tiger fans are getting ridiculous about this. And he had a call out. He actually had a tweet about this. Yeah, one yeah. of the top four classes. And I know the grades and all that stuff are kind of subjective and what have you. Look, bottom line is this. If you're rooting for a kid to fail, you can go you go to hell. Seriously, go to hell. Like, to me, what it shows about you is you are what exactly the fan is fanatical. It doesn't like it's. I understand the hatred for Alavila. Take it on the front office. I get it. The front office has done a lot of bad decisions. I get it. Honestly. Every time that it's, I mean, even like people were coming out about Justin Verlander coming and resigning for the Tigers, they're like, "Oh no, 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 the bad contract!" Blah blah. It's like, shut up, shut the, shut up, just shut up. Like, there's no, again, let I again, Avila's track record speaks for itself. Uper has done many articles about it. Trust me. Same here. It is beyond. It just keep it, be fair, but don't root for a kid to fail. What the hell is wrong with you? It is brutal. You know, I think the one thing that I see about Jackson Joe, I was never disappointed in the pick, even when there were the rumors in the two weeks prior to the draft. You know, Joe kept getting put with the Tigers uh, probably 50% of the time. Uh, where I'll give Avila credit is they obviously have uh, a commitment to the talent of that kid. And they've decided to stick with that commitment. Uh, and make the pick that they believe in it. So whether it works or it doesn't work, they did something that was they probably knew was going to be fairly uh, eyebrow-raising, to say the least, in a lot of circles. But they, they, they see the talent, and they went with the talent. So uh, from that respect, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, and no, I think you make a good point. You know, they they stuck to their guns. You have to give them credit. It might not work out, but uh, you know, they they weren't scared away by. I mean, this this, this wouldn't you wouldn't call this like a model pick. You know, they didn't use a computer model to spit out Jackson Job as their. They scouted the hell out of them. They used their analytics guys, and they said, you know what, we love this kid. Let's take him, and and we'll you know, right. see if we can avoid the pitfalls. And if he's as talented as as they say he might move just as fast as Jack Leiter. Like, yes. I, I mean, it's, it's not crazy out of, out of the realm of possibility. You know, he does have to build up his innings and stuff like that, but I don't think Jack Leiter's going to pitch any more this inning or this, this year. Right. Uh, so you, you never know, but uh, anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't guys. want him to take a high school guy every year in the top five, yeah. but if you see one that you really believe in, well, okay. 
No, I mean, we, we've talked to uh, Rick Porcello was in the bigs one year after he was drafted. I mean, I guess one full season, Jacob Turner made it up there after that. Dylan Bundy, there, it happens. Jose Fernandez, like yep. the talent is the talent. And if the kid has it for real, it, you know, he can move quickly. It just depends on, you know, building those innings. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right, uh, Uper, what is your good, bad, and ugly? For me, you know, the draft was the big thing last weekend, but also obviously we had the All-Star game and all the festivities around that. Uh, so uh, the yearly Rob Manfred press conference, uh, I thought the good was, you know, it sounded pretty definite, at least mildly definite, that uh, they're going to get rid of the seven-inning doubleheaders. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, it's just – it's just awkward that, you know, you can have these seven inning games. They just, the pacing is off. It's, it doesn't belong in the game right now. It's great for the minor leagues when you don't care who wins. Uh, but in the major leagues, we got to get rid of those seven inning games. Uh, and they're going to get rid of the ghost runner in extra innings. I think that's a good thing as well. I, I think it was a, too radical a change for me. And I don't mind change, but that, that one didn't work. So I'm kind of glad to hear that that's probably going to move along next year. Uh, the bad was also from Manfred, though. He got back into the shift banning talk. Um, not in favor of it. I, I think that uh, teams should be able to align their defense the best way that they know how. Uh, and I don't think they should be mandating that. Uh, so where I get into it is now where is the middle ground? What what can Because it's obvious to me that he wants this, that he's going to press it. Uh, so how are you going to limit what they do? So the, you know, you've heard people talk about, okay, you can shift, but the infielders have to stay in the dirt at the start of play. Maybe that's the middle ground uh, that we can settle on that, you know, takes away some of the advantages of the shift, but also allows teams to shift. Uh, so that, there's going to be a lot of talk about that in the next coming year. Uh, ugly. For me, you know, the, the showcase of the sport this weekend was fantastic. You know, they had Otani. It was Otani mania. I think that's great for the game worldwide. Uh, Juan Soto had his moments. Vlad Guerrero Jr. was the MVP. Uh, lots of cool things, and all that talent was on the field. That's great for baseball. But the one that was missing was Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, that injury was really, really a bummer to see, uh, to see him tear his ACL. Uh, now, they fix ACLs pretty well these days. I think he'll come back and be fine. But, you know, if he had been on the field with Tatis and all those other guys, uh, that really would have added something this week because uh, he's a showstopper kind of talent as well. Yeah, that's a huge bummer. And I think we both uh, have him on our fantasy tubes. Not yeah. that anybody cares. And it's like, ah, you know, <laughs> replace a guy who's going to, you know, go 30-30. It's just uh, and, and we saw the Braves do their best. Yes. But. That's a tough one. And the Braves are going to go, maybe not going to recover. So, yeah, skip carry of Emperor And the Braves win three to one. All right. So, uh, my good and bad record this week involves the All Star game. And the, the good for me is I sound like Tech Hopple, don't I? I feel like I sound like Tech Hopple. This is the headline. I could be uh, Al Campanis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to relive that moment. Uh, the good was the All-Star Game and Home Run Derby. I actually was entertained, uh, minus the jerseys, yeah. of course, which I disagreed with a bunch of people about that. But um, I, for one, liked the format. I liked it. It was it was entertaining for once. And, and usually the Home Run Derby to me, I, I don't I don't really care. 
I mean, it's just because like it's always the same. Maybe because for a while it was Chris Berman going back, 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 and it was driving me nuts. It sounds like damn duck. But <laughs> now that he's um, not involved with it anymore, I don't know. It was the format was great, and again, it's one of those things where um, I definitely think that if done, if you get your stars out there, and then it was like in having C. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. go out there and, and get the MVP. That that that's a great story, and that's something it comes across as a bad because Stephen A. Smith uh, wanted to say that Otani can't be the face of baseball because he needs an interpreter, and just sounded like asinine logic to me. And I know he apologized, what have you, and but I thought what he said was really unnecessary and just kind of stupid because in reality. I mean, I, I, Ohani is a. This is becoming more a diverse game, but it just seems like unnecessary to be a dick about it, you know. And just so I don't know why that was bad, and I thought that was bad, and and, and really a bad look for Stephen A. Smith. To, I know probably why he did it for the, the whole click thing, but again, I just think it's ridiculous. It's uncalled for. And the ugly. I mean, there's there's a lot of little things that are going on in baseball behind the scenes that um. You know, it's one of those things that I really, if you if you pay attention to some of the headlines out there, one 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 headline that I didn't understand that um, was out there in the All Star game, and it should have been made more of a big deal about it was a maid who who stopped a potential attack. Yeah, a guns. All these guns were. She found a whole series of guns. So Sixteen long guns, and like a thousand it, rounds of ammunition, and they arrested four people. Like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is it just is it just me or guys? Did it seem like it was just like all right? Well, let's not talk about it. Let's just they make a big deal about it. It should be a big deal because this woman stopped from this from happening, and I don't know. Like it, that whole thing would have been ugly, period. But I just thought the whole way that was handled was ridiculous. Yeah, I, it, yeah, it was it was weird, and I kind of like I like the idea of these guys being dumb enough to like accidentally forget to. Put the do not disturb thing on their door one day and then yeah. they go in there and go like well this isn't good uh, that's the head scratcher you know yeah. if they were, were going to pull this off how did they let the weapons in plain sight for a for a cleaning staff to see it i mean how, it's just yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know what to think about that it's interesting here in ankeny iowa where i'm from uh the guy was arrested in chicago the week yeah before, uh with guns in a hotel overlooking uh where they here where they have the fireworks yeah uh right before the fourth and it was the same scenario uh the guns were left on the windowsill <laughs> and the cleaning staff thought you know and he's he's got arrested you now he's denying you know that he said he had legitimate reasons blah 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 but it's it, it is it's scary stuff when you think of what happened in las vegas at that concert uh, yeah it's i don't know it, it's just the weird thing about the culture in, in the U.S. where, you know, the every time there's a shooting like that, you know, the Onion has that great headline like, uh, "There's no way to stop this." Says country where or the only place this really happens. And it's like, yeah, I, I, nobody seems to have any idea how to stop it. Um, well, I just my my first thought was when in when in Colorado, was this somebody who was mad that they took the game out of Georgia? Yeah, I thought that too. Yeah. Um, which would be uh, I don't know people. Uh, people have issues. I will say. It may not be that, but I just yeah. that's the first thing that popped in my mind. I was saying that to, uh, you know that's kind of serious, but just back to home run derby. I I feel like home run derbies on TV are probably a little bit like fireworks on TV. 
where it, it just you're losing mm-hmm. a great deal of the spectacle just doesn't translate over television i i've been at to been to one fire a homework or a home run derby in real life and it was so much more enjoyable in person than it was uh than i've ever had one on tv you just you see the balls and you really get a sense for how hard they're hitting them and how far they're going when you're there and, and yeah you, know, you see it on tv but it's it's not the same they I feel like there's a way to do it. Maybe it could be better. Like if they get some of those, uh, like the cameras you see overhead cameras they use in like football, there's a way to do that. But these cameras would have to go awfully fast to, to make it interesting. So It'd be cool if they could put a camera in a ball. Yeah. Yeah. One of these days, <laughs> but these get uh, motion sickness. And, uh, so anyway, yeah. Uh, I don't know. There was, like you said, Roger, there's some padded stuff like that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's go. Re- let's go. Let's go into the draft a little bit in terms of. Um, yeah, and we got for, some questions about that too. So yes, yeah. Let's go into the questions right into the draft. There you go. That, that, that'll work out pretty well. Well, I, you know, the, there were a couple you said earlier, but we got a lot of variations of what I consider to be the same kind of question, which is yeah. uh, John Lumpkin asked. You know, have we done a, a podcast of where we think all the new pitchers will start? A lot of people have said, you know, what level will Joe play this year? How many innings do you think? He'll- these guys gonna start, so I, I guess we could kind of just go through that. I don't know if you guys have any uh, specific thoughts right now. Um, I don't think Ty Madden's gonna pitch this year, right? Because he already pitched a full season. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I don't. I don't. He pitched a full season into the regionals. Uh, let's see, 113 innings, coming off a season when he pitched 25 innings. So I think ordinarily you might see them bump him up to like 125 or 130 in a regular season. I think after after a full season like that, and on top of that, you know, the, the coming off the COVID, and teams might not want to be they, they there's like roster limits this year that they've never had to deal with before. So if you could just keep a guy off the roster for now, basically sit him down for the rest of the year, that gives you another two months to evaluate somebody who's already on the team. If you if you're concerned about it, I think I think Madden won't pitch it all this year. Um, I assume Job. Will pitch probably in the complex league. I think we talked about this on draft night. Yeah. I was I was thinking probably a handful of three inning starts. Like uh, Mark Gorosh said, like fifty pitches. I think the same idea. Basically, they're going to keep them to low pitch counts, short starts, and who knows? He may prove advanced enough to to give a shot at a low A there in Lakeland, which would be kind of fun to see. Um, but he may be ultimately the pitcher from this draft who throws the most innings. That'd <laughs> be ironic, wouldn't it? The high schooler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think their fourth round pick, or was he? He was the third rounder. Their fourth pick, Dylan Smith. I think he only threw about eighty innings this year. But he's another guy who was. I think he was in the bullpen in his first two years with Alabama. So he's also had a giant jump in innings. I'm looking last year. He yeah he threw six innings in 2020 wow. and at 98 this year. So I think he'll probably get rested too. I mean, we might not see these guys until instructs. Well, I could see uh, like Tanner Kohlhepp. He's been yeah. a multi-inning yeah. reliever this year. They might, you know, if, if he looks good, they might put him in low A and let him pitch out of the bullpen. I could see that happening. No, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Cause I think he threw like 68 innings this year. And uh, yes, yeah, so he's a guy I could see. Brent, Brent Hurdler too. I think Brent Hurdler would be a possibility. From, Georgia Tech, I don't, I don't know how much he pitched this year. He's coming off injury last year or the year before. I don't remember. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's a guy. Uh, Jordan Marks, we talked about with Alexis. 
He's another guy. I think he threw a lot of innings this year. I, I really it would not shock me at all if we we don't see most of these guys. If they throw it all, it's like five innings just to get like used to pitching. <laughs> I think ball briefly. I think in some of the lower cases, in like some of the lower rounds, for example, of Aaron Haas, Wichita State, I could see maybe yeah. going out there. Jack Anderson, he has a possibility of coming back, so I'm not sure if if he does sign. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just a couple. He was he was mainly used as the reliever, so he's not. It might stretch him out as a starter because he does have starter potential. Uh, Garrett Bruhan or Bruhan, uh, pitcher out of Ohio, Ohio State, State. Ninth, right? Yeah, I could see him starting off and maybe instructs Jordan Marks. Uh, I maybe. think he threw a lot of innings this year. Yeah. Pettit, Pettit, yeah, Pettit's a good one. That's another one. Um, the big guy, yeah. In terms of hitters, Chris Myers already signed the guy, the, yeah. the third baseman, talked out of the University of Toledo draft in the 13th round, becoming the first uh, t- Tiger, or just trying to become the first Tiger to be to come from the University of Toledo since AJ Sager, who was the oh, no, still the pitching Yeah, I think we'll see. I think all the bats, maybe not. I, I don't know if they're going to sign the JUCO kid they took in the twentieth round. I would, okay, I would assume they will. Uh, McLaughlin. Yeah. Uh, McLaughlin report. I just want to use it drop somehow. Wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, see, I'm glad you guys re- understood the reference. Yeah. The McLaughlin. Yes. Wrong. Jack. 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 That'd be great. Maybe Jack. Jack. Um, yeah, I, I think all the position players will see that. You know, the two catchers will probably see them. Maybe, maybe one of them will make it to. Uh, low A, but they'd probably just be on the DCL East and West. I think that's where we'll see Isaac go. I think Austin Schultz probably. It wouldn't shock me if Austin Schultz gets up to uh, Lakeland. To Lakeland. Uh, that's, you know, we, we typically have seen that in the years past. These college outfielders, they'll make it to what passed was West Michigan. Uh, and, and if he, you know, if he plays well, he could come to West Michigan. We've seen guys make it to IA before. Um uh, this okay. pitching, this pitching draft is really about two years from now. Yeah, you know, so I think that most of them they'll pitch a handful of innings this year. I can see that 10, 12, 15 innings tops. But you know, next year's the year we start develop. They, they start developing the the depth. You know, because this whole thing, I've often thought, I thought in rounds one through ten they would come with a lot of pitching, and they did. Yeah. Um, and the reason is, I go back to a podcast we had maybe a month ago, maybe more, where we were sitting here scratching our heads about who are they going to throw this year to get through the season. And there was, you know, we didn't have a lot of great ideas. And yeah. I, I think that this draft is going to, is part of their solution for making sure that's not the case uh, a couple of years from now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think a lot of it does have to deal with it, that idea that they, uh, they don't necessarily have to put a bunch of these guys you know, just the way things have worked the last year, you know, the infection and the year off, these are, they're not going to make roster room for a lot of these guys this year. It kind of gives them more players to stash, if you will, rather than, than throw out there and try to figure out where to put them. Not to mention too, one of the things that there was, I know that they were talking about just a shortage even in the leagues for pitching. I mean, the, 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 all these yeah. are trying to find pitchers. And so far, the Tigers have not signed anybody undrafted free agents yet. I was looking at the tracker earlier today, and that's starting to happen right now. Where some, t- I think mm-hmm. the Indians signed one person or one player or two, but they're the Tigers still have not signed anybody. And I think it's you get only twenty thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah, online. I it's, believe so. Yeah, twenty yeah. grand tops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, if you're if you're if you're a bartender at Applebee's, congratulations, you make more than an undrafted. <laughs> 
uh, that's coming in. But no, and the other, in terms of something else too, the one thing they have all these picks that have in common, some of the pitchers, Haas, for example, is only 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but he throws a slider that's 27. It's a high spin slider. The the one kid that, the, what was the tall kid out of, um, uh, was it uh, RJ Pettit? Also, Pettit, Charles, yeah. yeah, Charleston Southern, who's got a, like a man bun thing going too. He's like six eight tall, but he's also steam increases the velocity. It's fastball. The only one, the only one I haven't really done a really lot of chance is uh, Blake uh, Holub. Holub, yeah, about a St. Edwards University and two way player down there, yeah. But and even the the and the one thing that let me ask you guys this in terms of the draft of all the there's the one that I think is going to. Be the most interesting. I think he has a lot more eyes than Jackson Job is actually the second rounder, Isaac uh, Pacento, uh, mm-hmm. out of Friendswood High School in Houston. We had somebody tell us, I'm not gonna say who they don't like the guy, um, <laughs> as a person or as a player, but overall, I mean, he's he's a big guy, he's not gonna be end up being a shortstop, I don't think, at least at first well, base. So third baseman. That, that was one of the questions we got was, uh, what are the odds he stays at shortstop? And uh, yeah, I put it at one percent. Well, I, for me, the way I always think about these, I, I would let him play shortstop for a long time until it's so evident he can't do it. Um, because again, who cares? Uh, it won't yeah. hurt him. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is the team that lived with Johnny Peralta at shortstop for a long time. Uh, I like the fact that he's a left-handed hitter with some power. Um, if he becomes a, a D minus shortstop. Okay, fine. You can move him to third, but I would let him struggle there for a long time and try to learn on the job and, uh, and see if you have a shortstop. Cause a lot of people are saying this. I think mostly it's based on his size, yep. but you know, they're big shortstops in the past. Uh, I, I, am not willing to write it off, uh, until we see him do it for a year or two. Yeah, no. And he is, he's more athletic than you would think given his size. He's, he's listed at six four two twenty five, 225, uh, which would, you know, make him an enormous shortstop. I don't know what Tulowitzki, how how much he weighed, but that's uh, or Brandon Crawford. Those guys are pretty big. Correa. Yeah. Um, the the one thing that you just have to do, and I, I think Eric Longenhagen mentioned this. Like on average, these high school kids who get drafted, they put on about thirty pounds in three years. And if that's the case with Isaac Pacheco, yeah, you're t- he's two fifty then. <laughs> a big kid. Yeah. Oh, Chris Rosa. Yeah, you know, so if he is too, if he, obviously if he does put on 30 pounds, he's not going to play shortstop, and that's fine. Uh, then he's probably more like a first baseman, actually. So, um, well, we'll just have to see where he goes and how that develops. But I, I like the pick a lot. I just think the power potential is there. Yeah, and, and the, the biggest takeaway I got from that pick, too, the reason I thought it was kind of such a polarizing pick compared to speaking of Jackson Job, is the, some of the players that are available at that time that the Tigers could have picked up and, you know, you, you expected the Tigers to maybe go with a college, you know, bat, but then you look at the, the, the bats and the oh. bats weren't there this year. Um, no. the, bats, the bats. Yeah. You froze up there, Chris. I had a whole, I said a whole bunch of good things and I was like, Oh, I can't see you guys anymore. So um, I'm sure it was amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. But what was the last thing you heard from me? Yeah. People I put can't. on 30 pounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, Basically, just saying, like, yeah, if that happens, he's a third baseman or first baseman, most likely, or possibly right field. He's got the arm. So, yeah, zero, uh, not zero, but 
pretty close to zero. He, not everybody puts on 30, 30 pounds. Maybe he gets leaner, uh, but he's got a, a pretty big base as it is. And uh, so, yeah. Well, like Roger was just saying, there are the college bats, the draft instead of him may not have been there. I think like Ethan yeah. Wilson was there and people yeah. like him a little, but I, I'm willing to roll with the younger guy and see what he develops into. Again, I just, uh, I talk, I'm a broken record, but I'm enamored with drafting left-hand hitters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's why he was attractive to me. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's, it's left-handed power. And if you're going to compare him to Wilson, you go, okay, well, he's he's got a good chance to stay in the dirt. And that's always more valuable than I mean, Wilson, a corner outfielder and left fielder only, I think. So, yeah, I, I think that was, uh, and I think he is going to be a fascinating one to watch. It's, it's what disappointed me about the draft a little bit is the Tigers took the sort of risks that I don't like to take. <laughs> like, like the, the the weakness with Pacheco was he's swinging and missing a lot on the summer circuit. And like we've talked before, the Tigers aren't great at addressing hitters uh, contact issues. Well, they might've right now with Parker Meadows, we will talk about on the, on the minor yeah. league podcast coming up this weekend, but they might have been able to fix that. I mean, Meadows actually look like the, the single he had tonight in the, or the double, he looks like a completely different hitter. I'm not, Again, we're probably going to have to do a film study on this, Chris, uh, eventually mm-hmm. at some point. But either well, way, what was going to say, Uper? If you want a contact hitter, you got my boy, Austin Murr. There you go. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting one. You, you talked about that before. He went to the the, the school out there by you, and uh, sure enough, they took him. And I, I assume that's kind of a money-saving pick. But... Oh, yeah, absolutely. But the flip side is he's a 400-on-base guy and is uh, – yeah. His strikeout walk ratio was 28-27 last year. So uh, he does put the bat on the ball. Yeah, and it's a guy like, you know, like you said, uh, suddenly if he, you know, starts hitting for more power, then you've got uh, the building blocks of a, uh, an interesting player there. So, yeah, I mean, that was that was a, a fun pick. It was fun to see them take Cole Hepp and Murr back to – I think they took him back-to-back or no? Back but Cole, back. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, Cole Hepp is the guy you took in the draft. And, and I don't know who saw it or where I saw it. I think it may have been – on Fangrass, they said he's got apparently Colehap has really crazy spin data on his two seamer. So that's another one of those spin guys you're talking about, Rock. Spin doctors. I mean, it's it, in terms of even there was an obvious statement that was said. Well, Chris Fetter definitely had a impact on the draft. Of course he did. I mean, the same thing. It's yeah. pretty clear to see that. And then Hubs as well. They have a pitch design program, and, and it's been working you see the results of it so far. So I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Again, there's no way to grade this when you, three or four years from now, I can see the result of this, but it did address the Tigers lack of depth at the system right now. And it's just from there. It's also depends when they're going to get on trades. Cause I know it just seems like, you know, scope or Grossman or whatever they can, that's not gonna be able to nail down will be traded the next couple of weeks because it could also address their, issue for a starting like a guy maybe who's stuck in triple a a pitcher or double yeah. a that wants to start and they, they they another team was given up on them and there's a couple of those uh, arms come to mind right now and so we'll see what happens i mean that to me i'm just job i was one that got in the I, that was my exact pick that got in the plan or mock draft but yeah again, I, out of it was out of necessity but also at the same time you kept hearing where well, there's smoke there's fire so but uh yeah, it was interesting because yeah, you had the first pick, and at that time it would it seemed like it had kind of shifted to house. Yeah. It was house and job, house and job, and then they came back to, to the job. So yeah, it was interesting. Uh, yeah, the only other questions we had one from Scott that said, "What level will Job play at this year, and how many innings do you think he'll pitch?" I think we discussed 
probably going to be complex league, maybe low A, and I think 30 innings, probably tops, maybe 10, three innings starts, stuff like that. At the most? Yeah. Uh, Eric Constantini said, who makes it to Detroit first, Ty Madden or one of the big three bats? Um, that one's pretty easy for me. I don't know. What do you guys think? The big, you mean the big three in Erie? Yeah. I assume that's what he means, uh, Green, Torque, and Dingler. Well, I would say Torque will center Green. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think it's possible we see them this September. I, I, I doubt it, but I think we will definitely see those guys by June or July next year, whereas Madden, I think, you know, maybe he moves really quickly as a reliever, but I think they're going to kind of develop him as a starter, and it wouldn't shock me if he spends all year next year in West Michigan and Erie. Erie, sure. Yeah. I, I I need Torkelson and Green to get to Toledo uh, in September, so they come here to Des Moines. <laughs> there you go. That's well, didn't they, points on that one. Didn't they announce their two extra series in, in yeah. play this year? Yeah, yeah. They do like a, all thirty teams are involved with it. Where the Munhens will be playing Louisville, and then on the road, I think they play St. Paul. Or it might be the other way around. I'm not really sure, but um, no, it's and I I don't know if they're going to do it for Double A yet. But I thought that the theory is they're going to keep them all together. But I would go with Riley Green. Riley Green hit another home run last night, and it seems like he's kind of finding his groove a little bit in terms of just hitting it everywhere. So they were saying that uh, Torkelson's, and again, it's batting practice, so it's meaningless in some yeah. respects. But Torkelson's batting practice at the Futures game evidently was off the charts. Uh, the the uh, pipeline guys were just going on and on about his power. Yeah, I, I was uh, following along a little bit when when they were. You know, people were tweeting that out, and they were like, "Oh, yeah, you know, Green and Torkelson both had some of the most impressive batting practice." And honestly, that is one of the things like that the evaluators that are going there—that's basically what they go there. They, they watch the batting practice in the infield, and then they like, you know, the game's fun, I guess, but they they don't feel like they're getting you know learning a ton from the game. So, yeah, and it, it's just it's kind of remarkable how it's changed because you know the beginning of the year when we saw Torkey was didn't look right, and even Joe saw him take a batting practice. It, was like, it wasn't a very impressive batting practice. So I, just, I guess it just took him a while to, to get his bearings. And once he did, it, he certainly looks like the guy that they thought they were getting. Yep. All right. And then we had other, any other questions, Chris? No more on, on Twitter that I see. I, I You did send me that picture of, uh, there were two questions. But I don't remember what, what one of them I thought. Let me see. Uh, Oh, you bring it up, Chris. I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. You know, so Nick Spillane, the question he asked, this was the one. Can you hear me still? Yep, yep. I can hear you. Yep. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, do you guys think the Tigers are better served hanging on to Grossman's deadline or trading him? He's the only guy that could be moved other than Scope. And we have some players outfield that we need to make decisions on. Yeah, Phil Cutmazaros and maybe C. Robson, et cetera. So do you think better to trade or keep uh, Grossman? Well, I would I would certainly deal him if I could. I, I the slump he's in, he's hitting two thirty. Um, I don't know what they're going to get. Uh, you know, uh, that's the sad part. If he if it was the way he was hitting in May, you know, we might have something that they could you know pedal for something decent. But I don't think the the return is going to be very good unless he comes out of the All Star break here just rifling the ball around the field. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's vaguely reminiscent of the Leonis Martin uh, year when they traded him. But 
the difference there was that Martin was uh, a center fielder and was having a great offensive first half and was cheaper than Grossman even. I think he was only like a, a million and a half. I, I just don't know who out there, we saw that the Braves already make a trade, but who else out there is is in need of kind of an average corner outfielder, an average overall. So it, it'll be tough. I, I think what he can do for this Tigers team is probably more valuable to them and to the younger players than, than what they can get in return. Well, just, you know, what team – what team needs on base percentage? You know, do, is there anybody who really needs to be a, I'm not sure what team that would be, but that's really the only thing he's providing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I remember that the Red Sox were kind of looking for outfield help, but I think they brought up their top prospect. So yeah. Hey, Duran. Sorry, Roger, what were you saying? Yeah. I was, the, 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 I think you're right. The market's going to dictate that there's a, like a fans are going to be expecting some sort of, top prospect, but I don't think it's going to happen. You look at the trade tonight, that what they gave up for Jock Peterson was nothing. And I think that you're going to see team stock who have some stockpile arms. And I know that AJ Hinch has said, you know, we're not going to, we're going to look for the best trade possible. But what I think if, if the one theory I have about this whole time trade deadline is if it's the same people who discovered a Baldu, we're like, Hey, like, with, <laughs> like, Hey, this guy, or, or, you know, this pitcher or whatever, then who's a low-key prospect but the Tigers feel like they can do something with, then I'll feel a lot better about it. Because I, the reason why I say that is, you look at the evidence with Akil Baldu right now, and you're seeing some things where the Tigers are actually like, well, holy crap, we're actually seeing a return on investment right now on certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it, it depends on who it is and what have you. And so, like, I just... I just want Tiger fans to understand that they're not going to get a haul for Robbie, Robbie Grossman or Jonathan Scope. They're both I mean, Grossman still has an extra year, and, and uh, Scope's going to be a free agent in the, the season. Mm-hmm. Curve your expectations, and I'm again, I'm not being saying it to be negative, but just look at the look at the trade tonight and say to yourself, Doc Peterson, mind you, can't hit lefties whatsoever, and they gave up a guy who was hitting 207 right now, who's who's got power a power profile. That's it. Yeah. No, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you could kind of throw together dream scenarios where they trade Grossman and Boyd and Fulmer and, like, you know, they get something else back. But, yeah, I don't – I guess I'm looking I, – I decided to look at the stats. And the one team that might be interested would be the Mets. You know, they're, they're really, you know, a contender this year. Their their team on base percentage from their outfielders is 297. They're getting Nimmo back. Yeah, so there's an on-base guy right there for sure. Yeah, uh, but, he, but he came back and he got hurt right away. So there you go. So you never know. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think you're getting, you know, you're not getting Francisco Alvarez or Brett Batty or uh, anybody that's really interesting from them. Ronnie Mauricio, you're getting you know, uh, what are you going to get? If you're a GM, let's say you were the GM of a bullpen needy team, you know, what are you giving up for Gregory Soto? Seriously. I mean, when you, yeah. when you see some of the homers he gives up and you, you see the motion and that he's not, you know, he, he's effective, but he's a little wild at times. What are you giving up for that guy? Yeah, not much. I, I mean, I, I still think that Cisnero is probably the most valuable reliever they have in terms of a, a deal just because he tends to be more – he's been more consistent. Mm-hmm. Even then, you're not getting – yeah, I, I just don't think that you have a lot of assets. I mean, if they want to they wanna get a big trade return, you got to trade – at this point, you're trading Matt Manning and Riley Green and stuff like that, and that's yeah. not going to happen, so no. – because I, I don't, I don't think that Greg Soto brings what Justin Wilson did three years ago. No, I agree with you. I, I think he may get to that level eventually, 
Right. But right now, yeah, he's just kind of, uh, it's still just a, a big time arm with uh, not a lot of track record. But this way, if you, if you had a tight game, anybody that they're getting right now at the trade deadline, you're getting to hopefully help you not just make the playoffs, but in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, if you're the Boston Red Sox or something, are you putting Gregory Soto on the mound in a tie game in the eighth inning and in, yeah. in, in game three of the ALCS? I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would say no, probably not. Yeah. Um, not I mean, his career walk rate's really high and yeah. said, giving up more homers than you'd expect, but I don't know. He was an all-star. And that was, he was. Yeah, an all-star game, but Joe Jimenez was too. Yeah, pretty sweet but, glove too. That, that's over. You know, I, I missed it. You know, I actually didn't watch the All Star game. Oh, I watched the whole thing. I was writing. I had writing going on in the background, but uh, yeah. as far as that goes, uh, this weekend, if you are going to the Tigers game Saturday, I'll be out there there having a fan celebration. A lot of people are going to be out there. Uh, I know you're going to be out there, right, Chris? I am going. We, we, uh, you know, the last time the Twins were in town, we tried to go to get uh, so we could see Sarah's cousin play. And then he got hurt, but we had already bought the tickets. So Farrah and her mom and Harrison backed out. So it was just me, Raj, uh, Mark, and Brandon, which was fun, obviously, but it was not what we intended. But this time, Alex is playing, uh, we've been assured. And I, I think we're going to be sitting in the friends and family slash, uh, you know, parents section. So that should be kind of interesting. It'll be a new experience for me. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I think that we, as a season ticket holder, I got moved, I got like three, four t- tickets, and I got moved up. That's awesome. Say section one thirty one or something like that. But uh, nice. Other well, I'll that, look for you out there. We'll get some nachos yeah, together. We'll bring nachos, <laughs> and then Mark will yell at us for eating liquid tea, cheese. But thanks so much for all the feedback, all the questions this week. Again, thanks so much for listening to the uh, Drive Podcast and in the live broadcast of the podcast we had. Rhymed, um, but that was it. Was a lot of fun, and hopefully we'll get to do it again soon. And thanks for everybody. A, sh- a special shout out to Woodward Sports as well for. Have me on twice in the last couple of weeks. Uh, some news is that hopefully to develop something else soon, but we'll we'll talk about that another time. And until then, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week or Sunday. The Chris and I will be getting together with Jake and James Shipman for the Tiger Minor Report podcast. We have a lot to go around the cover there on the minor league side, so look forward to that. Thanks again to Alexis from Baseball America for, for, Nikki. Nikki. for joining us, and we'll see you next time.